It is a summer in July. We are inside. But boy, it was fun to be outside last week, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm glad God arranged for the tent. That was, that was a wonderful no thing yeah. with the rain coming down. But nonetheless, that was awesome. The baptisms were, were fantastic. In fact, we've got another this morning after the second service. Alyssa Pure is going to be getting baptized. So that's, that's really exciting to be able to uh, participate in that. But yeah. for a lot of us, we were this past week has been... Um, it's been the coma after Quest. It's been trying to get some energy back again and, and revive and whatever. And we were really headed toward, I think, a nice relaxing week. And then, and then you decided to uh, rearrange your face. You want to tell us about that a little bit? What did you do, Brian? Okay, so hold on. I have never broken a bone, but I have done more damage to my face than I think anybody. I've, uh, I've now you're, you're way up there. Five different injuries leading to 35 total stitches in my face. And this week I got the most recent seven. So I was in a battle with the garbage can. And, uh, you know, outside, you get the big garbage can that you put out to the curb, I decided that it was time to clean it because some, some of Emmett's mess had been stuck to the bottom the last time they dumped it. And there were some little fly babies that I needed to clean out. So I clean it, I dry it, and I've got it propped. Okay, so the best way for me to do this is to show you. I've got it propped. You've got the can and you got the lid. I had it propped up so the sun's angling in, drying it out real quick, but there's wheels on the inside, right? So I go to grab the top of the can, and as I grab that, the wheels slipped out onto the concrete that I had it propped up against. Well, as it slips, I don't let go, which would have been the wise thing to do. <laughs> Instead, I try to grab it again, but I stepped on the lid. By stepping on the lid, it flattened, and my hand went down, because I, I couldn't get my hand out of the garbage can at this point. And I went straight into the very sharp edge of the garbage can. Boom! And I stood up for a second, and then I laid down on the grass, and um, I felt for all my teeth, made sure they were there. And I came inside, and I said, Riley, we need to go to the emergency room. <laughs> so, yeah, I've spent this past week with a bunch of stitches and swollen lip, and I ruined a birthday party. I ruined a 4th of July celebration. I, I ruined a lot of things this week by being an idiot and fighting with a garbage can. I wouldn't say you ruined it. You delayed it. Delayed we were, it, we sure. were supposed to go eat and eat and eat on Monday, and <laughs> yeah. uh, you weren't eating anything for a few days. So glad you're returning to normal, but we were together yesterday. And um, if, you really, if you have some revenge you want to take out on Brian, get him to smile. No. Smiling is quite that. painful. So if, yep. you, if you've been needing to get some payback on him, tickle him, do something to, to, took, get, him, to get him to get a big smile. We actually took some family pictures uh, with Riley's family on, I guess it was Wednesday or Thursday, and uh, I went to go smile, and it felt like I was smiling. And then you see the picture, and it looks like Chandler Bing from Friends. It, just, <laughs> it was just, just terrible. So... She's getting her payback today. Um, speaking of trash, we're going to watch two really bad baseball teams, and uh, Emmett's wearing White Sox garbage. So I'm just dealing with trash all week this week. So <laughs> fun stuff, fun stuff. So you got you got your weekend update, and uh, you know it is summer, so things have calmed down a little bit. But mm -hmm. there's still some fun activity coming up. So. Again, uh, you have that opportunity all summer long. If you've been uh, wanting to get baptized, you're finally ready to go ahead and, and let the world know of your uh, relationship with Jesus. We can do that either here, the pool at church. And the way we do the, the pool, uh, normally, if it's outside of a, a worship service, is we have it set up on the patio and we'll either do it between services 
or after the second service. So after second today, everybody that can will gather on out there and uh, just enjoy that time of celebrating with Alyssa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you want to do that, you can. Or the other is we've got the river coming on uh, September 2nd. So a lot of people have signed up to, to go uh, do their baptism in the DuPage River. And even that one, if it turns out that that particular date won't work for you, uh, then we just arrange to ride over after the second service and, uh, and, and enjoy that very public opportunity of, of declaring faith in Christ. So, mm-hmm. got some other things coming up. This, this one looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, on July 18th, we've got a grandparents' barbecue, five to seven here. So, it, that's just, I mean, I, I kind of want to go. I mean, I know you legally can go, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm to the point where, like, it takes a lot of energy to, uh, to keep up with junior high and, and high school because they, I, like, I never thought that I'd say that. I thought that I'd just, I'd just keep drinking Monsters and Red Bull and be able to keep firing. But uh, it's amazing what a six-month-old can, can do to your energy level while you're also trying to keep up with the energy of students. So this sounds like way more relaxed and a, a really good time. So uh, I kind of want to keep my feet up and hang out with you guys. But uh, yeah, that's July 18th. So that's, that's next week. And we've got uh, the Moms Hangout this Thursday. Uh, it, our announcement, or the... The email says chopped, and then right before service, I said, where's chopped? I've never heard of chopped. And I think, is it crafted? Is it supposed to be a crafted? Does anybody know? No? It's supposed to be a crafted. So don't, yeah, don't, uh, don't go to chopped, because that, that's a TV show that you must have been watching while you were up Well, no, I think there is a chopped. There is a chopped? But there is also a crafted. There's a chopped? There's both. Where's chopped? Is both. it good? Sorry, I, I don't need to learn. <laughs> so, so you go but to this chopped is, or crafted? Oh, no, I mean, oh. is this group going to Chopped or Crafted? Okay. Chopped. Go with the announcement. Okay, don't go to Crafted. Yeah. That's why they pay me the big bucks. Don't smile. <laughs> <laughs> yes! This is so good. I've been waiting all my life for this. Me too. <laughs> oh, Julie, this is the service that we'll put on the internet, okay? No doubt, no doubt. Awesome. I don't care what else happens. This is worth it right here. Very, very, very. All right, we're we're back to calm. Nope. (laughs) Okay, we're back to calm. Well, anything else? Uh, you know, every week I ask you about students, and I know you're, you've got some activities coming up. Yeah, I, uh, I kind of got in my own way this week, so we'll, we'll get that figured out and sent out this week on, on Remind. Good deal. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, let's pray. God in heaven, we're grateful that we get together this morning as your family. We know that uh, wherever we are gathered, you are with us. You're always with us. We just need that, that reminder every once in a while that you are there. You're with us all the time. You promised us. You're with us to the end of the age. We are never alone. No matter what we're going through, we are never alone. And I'm grateful that you give us a a family of believers that we get to share this uh, journey with together. God, I pray that we will be a support and encouragement to each other, uh, whether it is a celebration we're celebrating together or a time of trial, that we need someone to just uh, keep us uplifted. Help us to always value the relationships that you've given us in your body. We love you. Thank you for, uh, for being our Father and for letting us know you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I don't know if you've ever bought, um, I, I, I'm kind of, Kim, Kim cooks and loves to cook, but I'm, I'm a little bit more the primary cook in our family. I'm the one that typically is making whatever. And, and if you're like me, every once in a while, you just get kind of in that mode of 
ah, I don't feel like cooking tonight, or whoops, I forgot to get something going, and, and you've got to go do that emergency rush. What are we going to go get? And I've found personally that, that you can't really go wrong with that good old Jewel rotisserie chicken. Go grab a Jewel rotisserie chicken. Pre-inflation, they were cheap. They've gone up a little bit. They're still well worth it. Uh, it it'll save you in a moment. Whether you decide to just go ahead and, and rip the pieces of chicken off and put them on a plate, or if you shred it a little bit and put it on a salad, you put it on a, a bun and make a sandwich, whatever it might be, that thing will rescue you in a moment. And I've found generally uh, in our family, especially now that all the kids aren't around, that lasts for a few meals. So we get that first good meal out of it where it, where it actually looks like chicken. And then, and then the second meal is some shredded something that you know it's chicken, but it doesn't look as, as good as it used to. It's the third meal that always gets a little debatable. I, I find myself, I'll, I'll, open, I'll open that bag and I'll look inside and I'm like, there are a lot of bones there, a lot of bones, you know? But as I'm kind of, you know, flipping in the bag and, and looking a little bit, some of you have been there, you know, the jelly in the bottom, the whole works. You're kind of flipping and looking, and, and as you're flipping and looking and, and you're seeing the skin that you ripped off and thought that's not healthy, and as you're doing, as you're doing all that uh, sort of thing with the chicken, you start to go, there's more meat on these bones than I thought. I was about ready to trash this thing. There's a good meal sitting here. That's about the way I feel about First Peter right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not throwing Peter in the trash, okay? But um, we've been in First Peter since Easter. And we keep pulling that chicken out of the fridge on Sunday morning and saying, huh, there's a little more meat here. Huh, there's some more meat over here. And to be perfectly honest, as I look at Peter, we could probably go, we could probably go well into fall with different topics on Peter. But, but there does come a point that you go, you know what? I've had enough chicken. I've had enough chicken. It's time for a different meal. It's time to go somewhere else. So here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to focus on uh, the major theme of Peter this week. And then next week, we're just going to pick all over the bones, find little pieces, whatever might be there that's left, and we're going to go ahead and do a wrap-up of the two. So uh, uh, that's, that's where we're headed with this series. This past week, um, my youngest has been in town. Nate's been here from Texas, and he's been trying to catch all kinds of just, in some ways, memory adventures, things that we like to do as a family. And one of the things that we've enjoyed as a family ever since the kids have been little, 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 is to go over to the Warren Dunes in Michigan. I know Indiana has dunes, I get that. We could stop a half hour short, but there was one year that we were out there and they discovered the bullhorn and they're always yelling at you. I don't like to be yelled at while I'm at the dunes. I want to just go have a nice, quiet experience. So, so we headed on over. Ironically, when we got there, uh, it, was, it, was in, it was incredibly overcast. I mean, kind of looking at it. If, if Shelly had been the one at the dunes that day, it, it would have been a waste of a day. But Nate and Shelly both have very different approaches to the dunes. When you go with Shelly, it's all about a towel, layout, and just like that rotisserie chicken, just keep flipping, and, and that's, that's what the trip is all about. With Nate, it's action, action, action. We arrive, and the first thing he wants to do is climb the dune. I haven't climbed the dune in several years. Uh, wow, 
If, if we had that thing near us and we'd walk it once a day, we would be in phenomenal shape. I mean, it's just up, down, had a great time. And then, and then Nate likes to hang in the water and have fun uh, hanging out there in, in the water, usually, usually with the ball that you're throwing up and back, some, some kind of action, some kind of activity. It's just a, it's just a beautiful place. This, this isn't my picture. These are hot off the internet, but this is the view from the, from the top of the dune we climb all the way down back into the water, the little sticks across the way. If I was living at home, that would be Toronto, but that's actually Chicago. So kind of just gives you an idea. We used to do uh, Lake Ontario, and you could see Toronto the same way you can see Chicago. So we have a handful of uh, traditions when we go to the dunes that we, really, that we really enjoy. And some of them have been a little obliterated. Like, we used to get off the exit, and there was this A&W root beer right there at the, at the BP. And um, it closed after a bit. And I'm, I'm thinking it's because they finally decided there were just too many flies in that restaurant. So, so that's gone. So we've had to change that tradition a little bit. But uh, we used to love going to that, going to that A&W. And then... Um, and then we, when we get there, get to the dunes, we, we, you can see a food theme here, right? We'd head on over to their little uh, pavilion there where they had their ice cream and whatever. We'd get a Choco Taco. Have you ever had a Choco Taco? Fantastic. So we'd get our Choco. They've ripped that down now. Instead, there are food trucks. Food trucks are great, but I couldn't find a Choco Taco anywhere. But fortunately, what's still there is uh, Mickey's Drive-In. So we go to Mickey's when it's all done, although they've gotten rid of the olive, burden, olive burger. So, you know, I'm just kind of struggling with these little changes in the tradition, but you keep it going. This part of the tradition has not changed. It has not changed at all. When we drive up, you look at the flag. You look at the flag and like, what's going on today? Green flag means it's a boring, quiet day. Yellow flag means we're going to have a little fun. It's going to be a little wavy. It's going to be a little choppy. Red flag means hold on for dear life. We're going to have a party. This is going to be great, right? So we pull up, and, and this particular day, we pull up, and it's a yellow flag day. So we're like, we're going to have some fun. We're going to get beat around by the waves a little bit. We get on into the water. We're having some fun with it. And what we found over time is that the waves started getting more intense. And I looked over and I, and I said to Nate, look what they just did. Red flag. We finally made it to a red flag day for the first time in so many years. It was great. So I, I'm just kind of been a lot mulling through my mind between Quest and First Peter and and stuff going on in life. I've just been thinking a lot. It's like God is constantly, you know, weaving out these spiritual lessons, trying to help me to think and learn as I'm just experiencing life. So when I go to a body of water, I don't care if it's the dunes or a pool, doesn't matter. I'm very slow to get into chilly water. Very slow. I mean, a little, you know, a little, 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 little at a time. I do not like getting into chilly water. What I've found is on yellow and red flag days, you don't get a choice, right? You just kind of, you just kind of, you take a step, you take two, and then the waves hitting you in the chest, and you go, I guess I'm in. And you just head on in. And, you know, today we're talking about suffering, and I thought, how often is suffering like that? You don't, you don't get a chance to get used to it. 
It's not as if God gives you a six-month warning. Hey, you're about to go through a season of suffering. You may want to walk into the water really slowly. No, it's just, boom, it hits you in the chest, and you're like, all right, I guess we're here. And you're, and you're adjusting to what's going on with the suffering that you're facing in that particular season. The other thing I noticed uh, is that for me, maybe not you, I don't know, I've always wondered if the, if the things that hold my brain in place aren't as tight as everybody else's, because it seems like I get gushy head really fast. So the waves are hitting me and hitting me and hitting me and hitting me and hitting me, and, hitting me. and after a while I'm just kind of like, I'm doing, I can feel myself in the water just getting a little bit wobbly. Same is true with suffering, Right? You just keep getting hit, it seems, with waves. It's not one wave and it's done. Wave, 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 wave. And after a while, you're feeling this sense of just disorientation, this sense of, how, how do I get my footing again? And very often, we're frustrated in a season of suffering because like, I can't just get solid footing once more. Then there's this other thing I noticed as, as the waves are, are kind of going at us. I like, to, I like to take the waves head on, so I kind of foot plant in the sand, and as the big ones come, give it a chest bump to see if I can stop it. You know, Just go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. And I kept doing it. And you know what? Every time I do that, I feel tremendous resistance. The waves don't. I've never had a wave go, wow, you're strong, and go back. They, 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 boom, they come at me, right? They just, they hit me, they take me, boom, there they go, boom, it goes again. And every once in a while, in, instead of, instead of chest bumping it, I just lay down and float in the water. And you know what was really weird? Laying down and floating, I couldn't even tell that the waves were there. What in the world? Why is it that when I finally just let go, when I finally relaxed into it, the waves didn't seem quite as intense. I'll let you take that one wherever you will. Because honestly, that could go in two directions. That could be sometimes we just need to relax into God, and sometimes we stop fighting what we should be fighting. We stop fighting the battle we should be fighting, and it seems to get more relaxing when in fact we're drowning and we don't even know it. Just a lot of different things going on as that was happening. And then this week with Nate home, we decided that he needed to catch up on the previous seasons of The Chosen, and we hadn't started season three yet, so we've been kind of digging into that a little bit, and Jesus has just been on my mind a lot. That, that, that series just brings Jesus to my mind a lot, and I'm standing there, I'm watching these waves, and I'm wondering what it's like to be standing with this man who just all of a sudden goes, stop. I tried it. Stop. Oh, you didn't. Stop. Oh, you. Can you imagine being with somebody that just goes, be still? And they look at him and go, who is this man? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Season three, we're breaking into it, and I don't know what the deal is with little James. I pay attention. I don't pay attention. I know that he's got an issue, a physical issue, that I don't think we hear about in the Bible, but they've creatively played as part of what's going on with him. And little James has got this issue, and he's watching all these other people be healed by Jesus, and Jesus isn't healing him. And he's kind of wondering, why is Jesus healing everybody else, but he's not healing me? And there's really a beautiful scene, I'm not going to give it away, a beautiful scene between Jesus and, and little James where he explains the why of it. But I think when suffering comes into our lives, we have a few questions that come. Why? Why me? Why now? 
Why are you helping him, but you're leaving me here in the middle of the waves to be beaten? Why do I have to go through this, but it seems like she's doing just fine. In fact, she's doing way better than me. And, and, we, and we, go through the, we go through these struggles, these struggles when suffering comes. And we wonder what to do with it. Why, Jesus, why did you heal her, but you've left me with this disease to suffer? We saw in the beginning of this book that Peter starts by talking about living hope. He says, God has given you this living hope. But I'll tell you what, he doesn't waste any time, any time at all. Verse 6, verse six, he gets right into this. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. He's only a few verses in, and he's already saying, you have a living hope. And the thing of it is, for a lot of us, we became believers because we loved the idea of living hope. And we translated living hope to mean, my life will be problem-free. I will have no pain. I will have no suffering. I will have no confusion. Jesus will be my golden ticket to a peaceful life. And instead, we're facing pain, and we're facing suffering, and we're facing problems, and we're like, am I doing something wrong? Does he not notice I'm here? What's going on here? We have this living hope, and he says you will need this living hope because you will go through seasons of suffering. And that's the way it works generally. We'll be going through decent seasons, and then this season of suffering will come, and we're like, what's going on here? As you look in the book, Peter makes reference to the word suffering about 17 times in five chapters. And in doing that, he uses three different words to talk about suffering. One is the word pyrasmos. And that one simply is the word for temptation or a trial. Uh, Same word James uses in chapter 1, when you face trials of many kinds. So he uses that word a couple times. You see it in uh, chapter 1 and chapter 4, he uses that a couple times. He has another verse that he uses, another word that he uses, pathema, pathema. And that one, it was interesting, as you're, as you're kind of looking at it, he uses that one specifically to refer to the sufferings of Christ. It's almost as if he draws that out a little differently. Not that it's a different suffering, but he's saying, Christ suffered and so will we. Christ went through suffering and so will we. So he uses that word often to refer to the sufferings of Christ, the affliction, the pain, the passion that he went through. And then the word that is used most often in the book and most often in, in the New Testament is the word pasco. And pasco is just, it's just referring to all kinds of suffering. Peter is primarily talking about persecution. He's primarily talking about suffering for your faith. But this can be any kind of suffering you're, refer, you, you're, you're hitting in life. It says in the New Testament, it's, re, it's reference to unpleasant experiences. These unpleasant experiences come at us all the time. So he has these three different words that he's using to say, folks, just because you have a relationship with Jesus, just because you have a living hope, doesn't mean you will not suffer. In fact, just the opposite, you will. You will. And you're going to need that living hope when you're going through seasons of suffering. So he starts by talking about living hope, and he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. And what I'm going to do is 
after the word, I'm going to put that Greek word so you can see the, the variety of words that he uses as he's going. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I love this verse. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with, an ex- with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your, salvation, of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So as you're looking at what Peter has to say about suffering, the first thing he wants to talk about is the reality of suffering. Suffering's real. It's real. It's real in the world, and it's real for the Christ follower. He says, folks, we will suffer. We will go through times of trial. We will go through times of pain. He doesn't leave it to say, now, some of you Christians are going to go through this, and others of you are not. He says, here's the reality. We are all going to experience seasons of suffering. And and I love that he always, he does this, Paul does this. He says, it'll only be a little while. And by a little while, he's saying, 70 to 80 years. You know, this life, it'll be for a little while. It won't be there for eternity, but it will be here now. And there are all kinds of suffering that we face. I mean, again, there's the suffering of persecution. There's also the suffering just what happens with your body. I got to tell you, 60 stinks. I miss 50, you know, and I'm not really looking forward to what God does to a body in 70. You know, I just, (laughs) physical pain is there. The pain of the brokenness of relationships is there. Sometimes it's the suffering that's the result of our direct sin or someone else's sin. But we go through all these different forms of suffering in life. It is part of the walk of the believer. Don't think that your your relationship with Jesus is broken if you're going through suffering. He says it's a reality for every believer. You will go through seasons of suffering And then he goes on beyond the reality of it. James says it's real too. He says you're going to face trials of many kinds. He not only gives us the reality of suffering, but he wants to give us the reasons. And throughout the book, he gives us reasons for suffering. Why do we go through it? And one of the main ones we see, it's a refining. God wants to refine us. A piece of what he does to help us to look more like Jesus is to allow suffering into our lives. I don't know what your role is in life. I'll give you one that I've had. I've had the role of being a leader in different contexts. You know how you grow as a leader? By getting kicked in the head. That's how you grow as a leader. You go through seasons of pain. You go through seasons of hardship to try to learn. No leader can learn leadership outside of the challenge, the resistance of the waves. And whatever it is God is growing in your life, He allows these seasons of suffering to come in to say, there's some refining that needs to take place here. There's some work here that needs to get you looking more like Jesus. So so when we face a season of suffering, though our natural reaction is to say, God, why? Or God, why me? Our reaction should just be, God, what? What do you want to teach me? What are you growing in me that cannot be grown outside of this season of pain? James, again, same word. 
Consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and complete, not lacking anything. God will actually use suffering if we'll float, if we'll cooperate with him. He will use suffering to grow something in us. So Peter says suffering is real. He says there are reasons for it. And then the majority of the book is about the reactions that we're supposed to have to it. It would be fun this morning to just one by one talk about what's your reaction when suffering comes your way. Uh, we, we all have different reactions. We all have different ways of dealing with suffering. Some people run for their lives. Some people put up their dukes. Some people go into a pity party. Some people scream, shout, and decide to rage. We all have different ways that we react to suffering. And Peter says there are some biblical ways that we're supposed to react to suffering. He, he starts in 1 Peter chapter 2 by talking about a servant who is going through suffering under an unjust master. He says, for this is a, a gracious thing when, when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. You're enduring for what credit is it if you... If, if when, you, when sin, if when you sin and are beaten, you endure, but if when you are doing good and suffer, you endure it, this gracious thing, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God, for to, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So what is he saying here? First of all, he's saying, there's a piece of suffering when we are going through it that we view it as something be careful of this, okay? But it's something of a master in our life that has a lesson to teach us. God's teaching us a lesson through this. And so there's a moment that I'm submitting to whatever I'm going through to say, God, what is the calling you're trying to draw out in me right now? But then more importantly, it says, suffer the way Jesus suffered. Do what Jesus did. There's a classic book called In His Steps. That's where the title came from walking in his steps. Ironically, walking in his steps wasn't about being nice and handing out candy. Walking in his steps was about how did Jesus suffer and how can we walk like he did through suffering? When you look at the way he walked through suffering, I'm telling you what, it's a hard road. It's a hard road, but it's the road he's called us to. Chapter 3, now who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them or be troubled. Think about that. He's saying suffering does not have to be a fearful season. For a lot of us, when we come up against opposition, there's fear there. We're troubled by it. And he says you don't have to be. In fact, he goes on to say, this, this is embedded in this context. He says, honor Christ in your heart. And be ready to make a defense for the hope that is in you. Often the hope that is in you is displayed in a season of suffering. People will see you go through a season of suffering and they'll say, if I was going through what you're going through, I wouldn't be reacting the way you are at all. How can you do that? And that's a moment to be able to say, I have a reason for the hope that is in me. And his name is Jesus Chapter 4, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, 
arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased, uh, in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of time in the flesh, no longer for human passion, but for the will of God. So this one's interesting. What he's saying here is, be prepared for it. It's going to come. You're about to walk into waves. Be prepared to get wet. You're about to walk into this. Be prepared. Don't live as if, well, suffering might happen, but it probably won't happen to me. We will all go through seasons of pain, he says. So be prepared for it. Be prepared the same way Jesus was prepared. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to you, to test you, as though something strange has happened to you. He, again, he's saying, this is normative for the Christ follower. There are a lot of people out there teaching just the opposite. If you're really following Jesus, you're not going to have pain, you're not going to have sorrow, you're going to have health, you're going to have wealth. It's a lie, it's heresy. This is the truth. This is the truth. The truth is, you will go through fiery times. You will go through them. And when it comes, be prepared for it. It's not something that should be strange to you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded and watchful. Again, prepared. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, sinking whom he might devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by the brotherhood throughout the whole world. So he's saying what? You're not alone. In fact, other people are going through worse. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He actually says your relationship with God will grow through suffering. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. All these passages call us to a different kind of a reaction to suffering. Not a reaction that ignores it, runs from it, pretends it's not real, but one that is actually in some way willing to embrace the season and say, God, you're growing something in me, and I'm ready for it. Philippians chapter 3, these are the words of Paul. But whatever were gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. Don't, don't miss that. Knowing Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. What does he say? I want to know Christ. Is that your supreme objective most of us, our supreme objectives is this. I want to avoid pain. I want an easy life. I don't want problems. The prime objective of the Christ follower is, I want to know Christ. He goes on. He has to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. I want to enter into his sufferings, becoming like him in his death so that somehow I might attain from the resurrection of the dead, that I may know him, that I may know him, it says. 
I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Our prime objective in life should not be, I want to avoid suffering at all cost. Our prime objective is, I want to know Jesus. And I'm willing to endure anything it takes to know him. Anything. Now, i got to tell you, I'd much rather this morning say, if you love Jesus, you won't have any problems, and you'll get healthy and you'll get wealthy. That, that'll fill the room. This message... People go away on this. They want to hear this stuff. But this is what the Bible says. This is what God teaches. And so what we're going to do here, the two songs we're going to sing this morning are about as honest and straightforward a reaction to this message as we can have. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. If you don't mean it, don't sing it. Don't even hum. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. We're going to sing these as a response to what Peter says that God says about suffering. Father God, I pray that you will help us to be open, honest, and vulnerable in the words we bring to you this morning. Help us to sing to you in such a way that we're willing to float on the waves. We have an openness and a willingness to take whatever path you choose. None of us in this room long for suffering. None of us long for persecution. None of us desire problems. Truth is, we, we want an easy life. We want a blessed life as we would view it. But I pray that as we sing these words today, what would be going through our minds is, I want to know Christ. I want to know him deeper. I want to know him more. I want to know him better. And I am willing to follow the path you design, God, in order to enter into that deeper knowledge of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing. I don't want those lyrics to get too far away from me right now. Uh, we're going to move to our time of communion, and we're going to do something differently than we normally do. There will be no music playing during communion. And because of that, in part, we're going to be saying goodbye to our streaming friends because three or four minutes of silence streaming is really confusing. So after I'm done with instructions, they'll be heading on their way. The reason I want it silent is for you to pick up whatever message God was giving you during those songs what's the word what's the line what's the message god was speaking to you today i'll make room for you to do whatever you want to is that the message is it just to be able to say great is your faithfulness to me god doesn't feel good right now but you're <laughs> i know i can trust you Maybe it's just repeating the line, your way is better. I keep thinking I know best, your way is better. I don't want to fill your mind with too many lines because I want God to speak to you. What's God saying to you in the silence? Tables are at the front and the back, gluten-free on either side of the platform as well as at the back. 
in the silence, what is God saying to you today about your suffering journey? Let's go to communion.